Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I'm Emily, and I'm going to be hosting our podcast today. Veronica is not able to make it on this day, so I'm flying solo again, Uh, but she has promised me she'll be back next week. So for today, I will be chatting you up solo, and this is episode 23, and we will be talking about belief. So that's a pretty broad uh, topic, <laughs> but I bring it up uh, specifically in relationship to uh, mystical creatures because I will be hosting. Wise Woman Witchery is hosting uh, Mystical Creatures, a virtual conference, August twenty first and twenty second of twenty twenty. So if you're listening to this before then, you can absolutely hop over and sign up for that if that sounds like your jam. Uh, and join us for two days, five presentations on different mystical creatures. And if you're listening to this after this, after those dates, uh, you can still hop over to Wise Woman Witchery's Cauldron of Mystery and sign up over there. Uh, there will be the replays available there forever and always. So uh, I will actually post a link here in the comment section of or in the notes section of this uh, podcast, so you can definitely access that. But the reason I bring up belief in relationship to mystical creatures is, well, because not everybody believes in mystical creatures. Um, And I also want to talk about belief as a whole, because so much of what we do magically is based on our beliefs. And this is actually such a huge topic because it's also deeply philosophical in nature. When you talk about belief versus science, per se, you're talking about faith versus proof, right? Most people who have faith um, in something, whether it's religion or um, some type of yeah, I mean, just, <clears throat> excuse me, at anything really. Uh, if you have faith in something, you don't always have proof that it exists. And there might not be scientific proof. There might not be concrete something that you can show to prove it exists. So, for example, I have believed in fairies my entire life. Um, I've also believed in ghosts and <laughs> uh, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and all the things, right? So as a kid, I totally, without a doubt, believed in all of those things. And any story that I could possibly read that was fantasy-based, that was mystical and magical in nature, I swallowed it all hook, line, and sinker because, of course, I was going to believe in those things. That's amazing. Um, Similarly, I'm sure there are many, many people out there, and if you're one of them, you are not alone, who watched Star Wars as a kid and ended up spending many hours trying to move things with the force. So it's okay to own it. I think we all did it. Um, Or most, many of us did it anyway. (laughs) But as with that, something that we all wanted, because it was cool, right? We wanted to have this power. But similarly to that, 
I just believed that all of these other things existed. And to be honest, to this day, I still believe it. Now, do they exist here on this plane, um, on this earthly plane? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, sometimes <laughs> might be a better answer. Uh, do I believe they potentially exist in an alternate dimension? Absolutely. I think that's possible. Um, again, I said this was going to be philosophical. And I know that there are there is science behind multiple dimensions. Um, I believe quantum physics and whatnot can explain all of that. But that is actually beyond my brain capacity. I could get really lost down that rabbit hole and come back with uh, zero ability to talk about that. So I'm going to stick with what I know, which is faith and belief. So I believe in those things. And I uh, I also believe that even if you do not believe in those things, the energy of them still exists. So even if fairies and mermaids and the story of the phoenix and the unicorns and the dragons, even if all of that, including the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, are part of a creation made by humans, right? So maybe humans made those things up and they've just you know, taken off like wildfire and people track them and they make TV shows out of them and write stories. And there's all this lore surrounding these things. So even if all of that is just completely made up, that energy of those things is now in the world because of that and because of the force of the power behind that. So I mean, we could talk about religion in this way too, right? And I, I really, I don't mean to offend anyone. So, um, please, please know, I'm just thinking of this from a philosophical standpoint, but you know, there are so many religions that believe in God or a God or a higher power. And there isn't really scientific proof for that. Um, but it's a belief. It's a faith. What makes you believe in that? The energy of that belief of that being exists because of the belief, right? So which came first, the chicken or the egg? I, I don't know. I think they feed off of each other and it's cyclical in nature, right? You believe in something. And so then that belief fuels this energy, that energy fuels that belief. Um, it's, it's really a fascinating thing when you think about the human brain and how, <laughs> how we can believe things into being. So I just want to talk briefly about something that I learned about, um, and I don't know a ton about it, so I'm not going to go into super detail, but there's this concept of a tulpa. So it's T-U-L-P-A, in case you want to look it up for yourself. And the idea behind tulpas, <clears throat> excuse me, is that it's a concept that you can basically believe something into being, like by giving something an and the energy by focusing on it, by believing it, by imagining it, um, you then give that thing power, energy, and believe it into being. So an example of this, let me just preface this by saying I've had an extremely active imagination in my entire life. And when I was like 11, I uh, started playing with playing cards and using them to answer yes and no questions. So basically like using them as a form of divination. Um, with black being no and red being yes. And I started believing that I was talking to this ghost whose name was Michael. And part of me knew I was making it up, 
And part of me got so carried away with this idea or this belief or this creation that I just kept feeding the story. And I could talk about him as if he were real. And I could tell you about his life and about how he died and all of these things. And the questions and answers I would get from the cards proved this to me. Now, some people would totally believe that and say, oh, no, you were talking to a spirit. Some people would say, absolutely not. You made this up. It's all, you know, in your imagination. Regardless, Michael was real to me. And I communicated with him for a couple years, actually, I think until I was like 13 and then moved on to other other fascinating things. Um, but I have journals of things that I had written about him and his life. And really, it's this creation of story, right? So the creation of story, the creation of belief, the investment, the ener- your energetic investment in a belief fuels that belief into being. So was he a tulpa? Not necessarily. Um, but I use that as an example because to me, he felt very real. He felt like a sentient being. And yet, you know, really, I had made him up. Um, I even named him after my favorite vampire in The Lost Boys. So there's that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Excuse me. Um, So I just wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of belief. And I wanted to talk about it in terms of how to work with things that you might not believe are real, but energetically are real. So, for example, you might not believe in mermaids being a real thing. And yet, the imagery of mermaids, the story of mermaids, all of this, you know, or even merfolk, you know, we could take it to the next level and talk about mer people and even talk about um, mer people in relationship to ancient gods and you know, they're like Neptune, for example, planet, God, um, being energy, right? So when you think about Neptune, you might think about his, uh, I want to call it a trine. That might not be the right word, but, uh, his fork forked (laughs) tool that he had. Um, and, when you think about him as a being, think about Neptune as a being, there's a certain energy, there might be a certain image that comes to mind for you. Now, you might not believe that is real, but that energy is real. So what does Neptune, you know, how does that, how does the god of god Neptune relate to you? Um, how does the idea of mermaids relate to you? What do you think of when you think of mermaids? You know, I think of um, seduction. I think of the ocean obviously. Um, but kind of that, those watery depths, the mystery that lies beneath the surface. And so even just taking that concept of the mystery that lies beneath the surface and there being this vast world beneath the sea, that, that can be turned as a mirror upon the self, right? So then you start thinking, okay, so where, what it lies within my watery depths, what is the world that is beneath my surface? We all have it, but you could utilize the energy of the mermaid, whatever that means to you, as a mirror for looking at yourself and looking inward. And the same can be said with any mystical creatures, right? 
So that's just an example of how you might utilize not, you know, not believing in something, but utilize the energy of that thing that you do not believe to be real per se, because you honor the energy that lies within. I'm using the word energy a lot here. So I hope you're tracking me and it's is making sense. Um, I want to talk about the fae folk for a minute, the fairies, because there is a vast history of lore surrounding fairies. And um, it goes back many, many um, years, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And also is very cross-cultural. You know, there's different cultures that have little people or, um, you know, beings that are not human (laughs) that often live in natural places like the forest or the desert or caves or, you know, um, meadows, plains, whatever, wherever they might come from, whatever area they might come from, they're usually associated with the natural world in some way. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely been out into the wilderness on various occasions and really felt the energy of place and felt that there were spirits there, I guess, um, or beings that protect that land or are part of that land. So I often think of the faith folk as nature spirits. Um, I actually had, I'll share a funny story with you, but, uh, in 98, 1998, I was at the beach <laughs> with a boyfriend and we were in the seagrass. So here um, on the Sonoma coast, we have these tall grasses and we were, we had the blanket laid out in the tall grasses and the moon was big. It was f- almost full. I don't think it was quite full, but it was very bright. And when we had arrived there, we could not park in the parking lot because it, the gate was locked. So we had left the car at the gate and then walked in and we're hanging out here um, on this dune in the seagrass. And I looked up and there was a squat man staring at us. And when I say squat, I mean, he was like probably three feet high. Yeah, maybe even a little shorter than that. And he had a very bulbous nose and he was standing on on the other side of the grass, scared me to death. Um, But I was like, oh my God. And when I freaked out, he took off running and you could see the grasses parting as he ran through them. And he disappeared, um, never to be seen again. (laughs) The other part of that story, which is very weird, uh, is that when we arrived and that gate was locked, there was actually a sports car that was parked in the parking lot, a little red sports car that was actually covered in sand as if the sand had been drifting over it, like maybe it had been parked there for a while. And when we went back to our car, the gate was still locked and it actually swung out the direction our car was. So it was not a gate that could have swung inward, but that sports car was gone. And I really thought I was losing my mind. I got to be honest. Um, it was pretty wild and I was pretty darn sober. So <laughs> I know it wasn't from that. It wasn't an alteration in my, um, in my mind because of, because of alcohol or drugs. It was just a very freaking weird experience. Uh, it definitely increased my belief in otherworldly creatures, whatever they may be, a you know, a goblin or gnome or troll or something uh, that drives a sports car. I don't know. You know, the truth is stranger than fiction, folks. So 
I honestly couldn't tell you if, if that is real or not, but I do know what I saw. Um, and I, I mean, I do know what the turn of events was. And my boyfriend at the time was also like pretty freaked out, although he did not see the face of that being. Um, but he did see the grasses parting and he did see the car there and then gone. So anyway, my point in sharing that story is that it is stories like that and other people's stories that fuel the creation or belief around these other beings from other realms. You know, story is what lives within us as a culture, as a people. So it's not just, I shouldn't just say culture because it's not just in in the Western civilization culture or the American culture. Um, story is something that humans have been utilizing for millennia. It's how we transmit information. It's how we make sense of things. It's also entertainment. So it's it's multifaceted. But even within entertainment, there's often a story arc. You know, you may have heard of the hero's journey, but there's often a story arc that, um, you know, is is predictable in its own way and really is the story of I'm, I'm totally getting off track here. So uh, let me just back myself up because I'm, a, I'm about to go on a whole story trip, which is not really where I was beginning with this. Um, this is the problem with doing podcasts by myself because it's really easy for me to just get off track even when I have notes because <laughs> I just want to tell you stories, right? Anyway, I digress. My point of all of this is that I think it's really important to look at what we believe, how that belief influences the way we move through the world, the interactions we have, the choices we make, and also to acknowledge that just because you don't believe something is real does not mean that it does not have an energy or a power behind it. Um, and it also does not mean that you cannot utilize that power or energy. So, um, like in this upcoming conference, the Mystical Creatures virtual conference, uh, we're going to be talking about different lore associated with these different mystical beings. Um, and we're also going to be talking about, you know, kind of history around them and ways to harness these energies for your own practice. So whatever your magical practices are, you may want to incorporate some of that unicorn energy or dragon energy. Um, you know, I definitely work with dragon energy. I think of it, I think of it often connected to serpent energy, that fiery transformative energy. Um, it's fierce, but there's a whole other side to dragons too. There's all this, this elemental stuff that goes along with them. Um, and historically and throughout different cultures, the dragon is often related to different elements. So there might be a water dragon or a fire dragon or, you know, earth dragon. Um, anyway, it's all very interesting when you think about it that way through story and lore and how to harness that for your own work. Anyway, I'm starting to repeat myself here. So it's a good time to wrap things up, but I just wanted to touch in on my own, tell you a story talk to you a little bit about the mystical conference coming up, the mystical creatures virtual conference, and, uh, let you know that you can totally sign up for that. If it's something you're interested in, 
if that's not exactly your jam, that's okay too. But I think it's worth considering um, how belief and faith play a role in your practice. All right, everyone. Until next week, have a most magical day. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.